Well, we wrapped up 2 Corinthians uh, last week, and so this week and for the next couple weeks, uh, we're going to look in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to look it up on your phone or look it up in the Pew Bible, uh, but Proverbs chapter 16, Proverbs chapter 16. When I was probably in junior high, I went to a Christian school. A um, missionary came from Brazil, I'll never forget. He came and spoke to our God Boys Bible class. He sat down, uh, he he stood in front of the desk, he leaned up on the desk, and he said, um, he said, boys, or young men, one of the things I would encourage you to do is read the book of Proverbs. There's 31 verses, there's 31 chapters in the book. You could read one a month, one a day for the month, and you could read through the book of Proverbs 12 times. It's filled with practical wisdom about life and how God uh, designed and wants life to live. It covers all these areas of friendships, relationships, God, wisdom. And that stuck with me. And for years, I had, would read Proverbs a day. And Proverbs is just about practical wisdom from God and practical wisdom about life for us from God. And so if you have not uh, looked much at Proverbs, I would encourage you to take a proverb a day. And you would be amazed at how much wisdom practically the book of Proverbs has. So we're just going to spend the next couple weeks looking at different uh, passages of Proverbs. But Proverbs 16, which is right in the middle, Proverbs 16, 7 is probably the middle proverb of all the Proverbs. But Proverbs 16, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read verses uh, 1 through 9. Proverbs chapter 16. It says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, just thanks for chance to gather again at the beginning of the week where you just breathe us in as collectively into your lungs and we can worship together, we can sing together, we can hear your word together before you send us out for another week. And Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of it and the help of it. Lord, I agree with what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said years ago that when we hear the word, It's like you're walking up and down the aisles, healing people. So God, I pray this morning that you would just touch us with your word, that you would just heal us, you would encourage us, just give us your grace. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I mention any more, big praise. Jeff Dold had his surgery on uh, Tuesday. He is home from the hospital yesterday. They did all the scans, and he is completely cancer-free. So it's a huge answer to uh, prayer. So if you have not... Uh 
If you, if you have Jeff on his phone, or if you want his phone number, he'd, I'm sure he'd appreciate uh, a, a text, and he is um, home. It'll be a long recovery, but he is um, home. Proverbs talks about plans, and life is filled with perplexing things. So what do you do with perplexing things? Things that are confusing, things that are filled with uncertainty or tangled all up. I mean, do you remember, remember the first time you dealt with a perplexing issue? Probably not. But you probably know of an issue that is certainly perplexing to you now. This is, this is life. This is life in the last uh, year and eight, or 18 months, just filled with uh, perplexing things. I, I've known this man for years. Um, I was at a park uh, in the area a number of years ago. Um, he came up to start to talk to me. He was telling me all what was going on with his situation, with his family. Um, somebody I who had looked up to over when I was growing up, and we're just talking, and he's telling me all these issues that were just perplexing him, and he was struggling with, and what he was dealing with. And I'll never forget the conversation. And as he left it, he tells me everything that was going on. The last thing he said to me is, Paul, why would God do this? Why would God do this? And then he just walked away. Life is filled with all kinds of perplexing things. And Proverbs discusses it. I mean, we have perplexing issues of family situations. There's perplexing relationship questions. There's work issues. There's just cultural issues. There's future questions that we all have about things that we're dealing with, even in this room that you're, you're trying to figure out what, what's, what's the connection, how this is all going to work, filled with perplexing issues. And this morning, all I want to do is just give you four words from this psalm to remember during perplexing times. The word plan, pray, pride, and ponder. What do you do with perplexing things? When you come to a situation, you have a conversation, and the only thing that you could end up with at the end is, why would God do this? And you can't see how it's going to get untangled and how it's going to get fixed. What's going to anchor you as a follower of Christ? Hopefully these words will. Four words for perplexing Things. The first one is plans. The plans of a heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Maybe you are a planner. We like to make plans. You, you, you plan all the time. You figure things out. That might be your thing. Uh, and you are just, plans are good. We need to agree with God, though, about plans. Planning is good. You can look all through Scripture, and you can see that it was okay to, to plan. Even Proverbs says, Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Proverbs 24.2 says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. And Proverbs 27 says, by wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled are all precious and ple with ple present 
riches. So even in the book of Proverbs, planning is okay. It's okay to plan. Planning is a good thing. Moses had to plan. Abraham had to plan. Joseph had to plan. All these people, Esther had these plans that she used and God using. Uh, planning is a good, but we need to agree with God about plans because not every one of our plans is right. This proverb says in verse 25, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, his way is death. And verse 2 says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. A worthless man, it says in verse 27, plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. All these verses, all this truth that... God says the plans of a heart belong to man. He, he created us to be planners. He created us to plan things. He gave us that ability. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Because not every one of our plans is right. If you remember the story of Balaam in the Old Testament in Numbers, he was supposed to go out and curse the people of God. And he was, that was his plan. He was called to do that. He was going to go out and do what they paid him to do. But as he's going, he's riding his donkey, and his donkey won't move. And he gets ticked off at his donkey, and his donkey turns around and starts talking to him and says, do what I tell you to do, what God's told you to do. And then he tries to go and curse God's people, and he can't because the, what comes out of his mouth is a blessing to the nation of Israel. The plan of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God's plans always prevail. Verse 16 of this psalm says, how much, verse 11, a just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights are in the, in the bag are his work. If you look at your life, if you look at your situation, you get all these plans, you think it's going to work out uh, this, this way, most of us know most of our plans don't always work out the way they're supposed to work out. Even on a daily basis, we face this. But this, verse 11 says, a just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights are in the bag are his work. Which means this was a directly attacking those people back in the day who they would weigh things with the scales and they would be crooked. So they would have different weights to try to balance it their way. They would scam people. But this says, a just balance and scales are the Lord. All the weights in the bag are his work. When it comes to plans and purposes, God holds the bag for all of it. All of his purposes are going to come through. A number of years ago, some of you don't know or some of you do, we had a lady named Pat DeVries in the church. Um, she came through a bag drop that we did, her and her husband, Dave. Uh, she was a phenomenal encouragement. Even up to the last year, she's still from Arizona, uh, was doing our bulletins and helping us out constantly. Um, all of a sudden, Pat got extremely sick, um, unbelievably sick. Her, her liver was uh, deteriorating. She was going to experts. She continued to lose weight, if you remember. We, we got up here, we anointed her with oil, we prayed over her, but she, she just continually would get sicker and sicker and sicker until she was walking around like a, almost like a living skeleton. I don't think I've ever seen anybody that sick still walking. She was a skeleton. And we would sit in my office, she'd come over and help me with some office things, and she'd say, Paul, I want you to do this for my funeral. And, uh, and I would say, Pat, we, we prayed for you. It, it, we're, just, we're not going to talk about that. But she kept getting sicker and sicker. 
And finally, I sat down with her and said, okay. So we sat down, and we were literally planning her funeral. She was giving all her stuff away. She was just passing everything out. We continued to pray, anointed her head with oil. And all of a sudden, Pat got healed, miraculously healed. She, she has no more kidney disease. The, the doctor said, I don't understand this one day. She's going to the doctor up in Chicago. She says, I don't understand this. Uh, you, you, you have no liver disease anymore. You, you are no longer sick. And she's not. And for the last, she's moved out to Arizona. She's unbelievably healthy. She's doing great. The, the, her plan was to take care of all her life issues. She was extremely order, uh, organized. That was her plan. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. William Carey, who was one of the first father of modern missions in India, he went years ago, he, he, he went off, no one, he knew nobody, didn't know the language, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he shared the gospel, saw little fruit, and then all of, things start, all of a sudden things started to change, he started to build things, he was translating uh, the scriptures, he had it all in this building. And he had translated it. Almost everything was done for translation. They had thousands of pieces of paper. And then one night, a massive fire came and wiped out their entire building. This was before, obviously, computers. It was all gone. Seven years of work was just wiped out. They, they were able to save nothing. And, and this is what he said. As he walked around the scene, someone was with him. They said that the scene was indeed affecting. The long printing office reduced to a mere shell. The yard covered with burnt paper. Carrie walked with me over the smoking ruins. The tears stood in his eyes. In one night, he said, the labors of years are consumed. How unsearchable are the divine ways. I had lately brought some things to the utmost perfection I could and contemplated the mission with perhaps too much self-congratulation. The Lord has laid me low that I, may not, that I may look more simply on him. And he had to preach that following Sunday. And the passage that he chose was Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. He had two simple points. One, God's right to dispose us. God has the right to dispose us as he pleases. And number two, it's man's duty to acquiesce to his will. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. If you think right now, i got all these plans. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And, and and don't realize that God gave you the ability to plan, but the answer of the tongue in the purpose is from the Lord. Here's what it will do for you. Understanding when perplexing things come and agreeing with God about plans, it will create in us and create in you a, a sense of humility like it did for William Carey. And also it gives you a comfort the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. You, you can work all you want, 
But what God is going to accomplish, God will accomplish. And you should take some comfort in that and say that nothing that God doesn't want to accomplish will be accomplished. But everything that God wants to be accomplished will be accomplished, no matter what your plans were. No matter how many times you have to change your plans, there's a humility to it, but there's also an extreme comfort that only what God wants will be accomplished. So we have to agree with God about plans. And the second thing it says in verse 3 is commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Or literally, that word commit, it just means roll. Roll all your concerns to God in prayer. Commit your work. It means literally roll them over to God in prayer. What, what, what has kept thousands of people up at night in the last 18 months is not knowing if their plan was going to work out. How, how are they going to deal with their plans? What, what, what's kept me up at night is why when plans don't work out the way we think. But what we're called to do is agree with God about plans. He has a right to change our plans. And his plans and purposes will be fulfilled. And then we just need to roll our concerns over to God in prayer. Commit it over to God. What is prayer? The Westminster Confession said this, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. It's, it's just offering up to God what we desire. It's just talking to God about what we, we desire. Talking to God about stuff. That's what prayer is. It's not as uh, super spiritual that we sometimes make it. It's literally coming to God who says, come to me and say, here's my stuff, God. I can't, I can't carry it anymore. I'm going to roll it over on to you. Prayer is not passive. It is extremely active. This is how God has chosen to work in people. And you say, well, I don't really know how to pray or what, what I should really be praying about. The Bible gives us an entire book to help you know how to pray. Like, I, I just, you say these situations are so tangled, they're so perplexing that you don't know what to do. The book of Psalms was written so you could use it to pray. And you're like, well, I don't know what to pray. A any situation that you have, any struggle, any emotion, any feeling, you can go to the book of Psalms, and it is the prayer book of the church that for thousands of years, people have just prayed the Psalms. You're like, I, I, I don't know how to phrase it. Read the Psalms. When, when your heart's broken, read the Psalms. When you're rejoicing, you're not sure how to express it to God, read the Psalms. When you're struggling with the decision, read the Psalms. Those are prayers to God. Prayer is been provided for us in Psalms, and, and prayer is a church project. It's not just us and the world and our problems that we got to roll. The Bible says prayer is a, it's a church project. When Peter was in prison in Acts, the church gathered, it says. And they got together and they prayed. And they prayed. And Peter was miraculously let loose from prison. I mean, it is a miracle from God that a woman who was dying of kidney cancer, liver cancer, is now living it up in retirement in Arizona still. That's a direct answer to prayer. And Pat, if she was standing here today, would say it's because the people of God prayed for me. This is how prayer works. It's, it's a prayer project because sometimes we don't know how to pray, do we? And what we need 
is to lean on the other prayers of other people. Sometimes you just need someone to pray for you. And you lean on what they are saying. Prayer is powerful. I mean, what did Jesus do right before he went to the cross? What was the last thing? Where, where did Jesus spend his time? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. When there's all these other things people could say he was doing, what did Jesus constantly do? He went away and he prayed. We need to roll our concerns over to God in prayer. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This past Wednesday, at our Wednesday night prayer service, I shared, which I often do, what's going on. <laughs> Here's stuff I need to personally that we need to pray for. And I shared with the group, and I said, listen, this is where I'm at this week. This is what's been going on. I need you to pray for me. And there had been a cloud, a heavy cloud hanging over me. Couldn't fight it on my own. I asked someone to pray. We all prayed in agreement. I'm just saying, if you were here Wednesday, I woke up Wednesday and the cloud was gone. I, I couldn't explain it. I had, it had been there for many weeks. I tried to cre recreate the cloud thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I'm just feeling a little better, better today. It was literally gone. You know why? Because we were the church. I asked people to pray. I couldn't pray anymore about it. And I leaned into the prayers of other people. Prayer is what we are called to do. And then as we think about God's with plans, prayer, in the midst of that, we have to radically reject pride. It says, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be, assu be assured he will not go unpunished. If you're trying to figure out the perplexing issues and you are too proud to seek help, to roll them over to God, try to keep figuring out your plan, the Bible says everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That's going to bring punishment. Pride leads the list in Proverbs 6 of the things that God hates. It's, it's in the midst of the worst of company, if you read Proverbs 6 in the least. Pride, it just brings pain. But pride is hard to admit. I don't know if you heard the story this past week of the Paral, um, Paralympian who was blind, who was, who was not allowed to take her aid to Tokyo with her. And, they, and because she wasn't able to take her aid to Tokyo with her, um, she had to drop out of the Olympics. And she, she you know, she... she talked about how the United States organization, nobody asked her what she needed, nobody helped her out, and they sent back a response like, no, we're all people, we're all, we all helped her out, we did the best we could. And my reaction to that was, why can't anyone just admit they messed up? Why can't we just admit, hey, we, I blew it. Yes, we, sh we should have taken a better care of that situation. This is how it is with pride. We, we don't want to admit, just be honest and say, no, I, I messed up, that, that's on me. C.S. Lewis said, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A number of years ago, we were at a, on a mission trip with some teens. 
and another group came in and there was a guy who was in charge of the roofing of this situation and he was a former ex former marine and he was letting everybody know that he was a former marine and for anybody that knew him knew all about him and he was going to figure it out and he didn't know how to roof but he was going to let everybody know he knew how to roof and as he was going out he just kept blah 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 he was you know he was the greatest thing uh in the world and one of the things that he would say to all these teenagers was i haven't thrown up in 14 years um, like this was something he was trying to impress a bunch of teenagers with. I haven't thrown up in 14 years. I mean, like for two days. That's all we heard. Uh, and and then all of a sudden, the day of the first, we got there on a Saturday. We met this guy by, by Sunday night. Probably my pride. I was done with him. But he was uh, was full. I mean, everybody knew this guy, and, and we all knew hundreds of kids that he hadn't thrown up in 14 years. Monday morning, we got up, got to the job site. And we said, well, where is he? He's supposed to be the leader of this thing. Where is he? Didn't show up for four hours later. He came in sick. That morning, he had thrown up for the first time in 14 years. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you're dealing with perplexities and you think, I can just deal with it on my own, I'm not going to roll over to God, we need to radically and consistently try to reject pride. We've got to think about plans. Think about pride. Prayer, pride. And then we just need to ponder the big picture. Verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Verse 20 says, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good, good sense is a fountain to life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. If you're struggling with a perplexing issue, what, what's God's plan in this? And you're rolling it over to God in prayer, and you're just rejecting, you're trying to reject pride and walk, walk, walk humbly with, with God. We, we, we've got to then ponder what's the big picture, what's God doing? He says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his staff. God's writing his story. God's directing the path. He, he's doing something in your life that we may not see, you might not see. Uh, it may be years before people see what's doing on. If we don't ponder the big picture, we're going to lose our perspective very quickly, and it's extremely easy to do. Well, what we're called to do is ponder the big picture that, of verse 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. How is that done? How was steadfast love and faithfulness so that iniquity is atoned for? It was done years later by Jesus coming, taking on all our sin, being willing to go to the cross for us and to die so that we could have life. He is true love and faithfulness. Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, he became the wisdom of God. He became all that Proverbs write. He is all of that. Wisdom is not just lines in a, in a, in a book. Wisdom is Jesus Christ. That's the big picture. That's what we've got to ponder. That's what we've got to look, look for when we are perplexed. I mean, perplexity is a reality, but God's purposes will reign. 
we have to keep driving that into our hearts and into our minds. But you've got to ponder the big picture. Marvel Comics has done a great job of doing this. They make their movies with the Avengers. And every, if you haven't seen them, all the Avengers movies, thousands and thousands of people watch them. But what you know at the end of an Avenger movie is there might be more at the credits. I mean, nobody watches the credits of the movie. But you sit through an Avengers movie, you watch the credits roll through, and thousands upon thousands of people's names are up there. Just names, just names, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. They may have carried coffee for somebody. They may have brought catering. But all those people were part of the big picture of what that movie was and how it was made. But what Marvel has done amazingly is they make you sit through all the scroll of the picture, all the scroll of the people, so that right at the end, they show you a little blip of the next movie. Just a little something to know there's more and something better to come. This is what it is for us as Christians. In, in your situations, if you're perplexed, if you're struggling, trying to figure out what is God doing, our part might just be to be the caterer for the movies. We know nothing what's going on, we see nothing, but our names are part of that picture. And then one day, when we all look back, we will see, hey, there's more coming. There, there's a lot more. This, this, all that you did, all those little minor bumps in your plans, all the changing, all the frustrations, all the perplexities, they weren't for nothing. None of it was wasted. God was weaving this miraculous little plan. He was creating a beautiful picture so that that's not just the end. There's more to come. There's more to come, and for eternity, we will be able to enjoy it. The call for us is to think about plans, to pray, to radically re reject pride, keep pondering the big pictures, and put our eyes on Jesus with the perplexities of life. And when we do, and as we do, and to the degree we do, we can walk firmly and faithfully, because the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps.